0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of From the Arts Campus. I bet you were expecting to hear Keith Cromwell's voice, but Keith has asked me, Davis Haynes, to be here today to interview our very special guest, Abigail Barlow. Abigail and I were both kids here at Red Mountain Theater. We've done a few shows together, and it was really wonderful to be able to talk to her about what it was like growing up here, what she's doing now, and a little bit about what she's gonna be doing in the future. I hope you enjoy. All right.
1: All right, hello, everyone.
0: Hi, hi Abigail.
1: <laughs> hi, Davis.
0: <laughs> it's so nice to, uh, to see you, of course, know, as always. I so good to see you, too. It's so good to be back uh, at the theater, even though it's a new space. But I it's, know,
1: it's a crazy new space. Yeah. Um, wow, I walked in, I, I've been here once since I've been home and I was absolutely given the craziest tour of my life and I had no idea this was as big as it was and it's amazing.
0: It's hard to describe, and then when you're in it, my experience was I just, I cried, especially in the theater.
1: Oh, man. I walked into, um, like, the bar area just, like, before the theater, and I I wanted to cry because it just, we used to, you know, perform and rehearse in their office space with one stage. Like, it just, it's overwhelming to see how far it's come. It's
0: amazing. Mm -hmm. And to think that, I think that that played so much into how we are as artists and as people Mm -hmm. where we started to where we came from, yeah, because it really was so humble. Humble,
1: very humble. That's what,
0: right? Like, that's what it kind of felt like for me. Mm-hmm. I remember when American Idol was a thing, yeah, and all these people from Alabama started winning. <laughs> yeah. And I realized we had so much amazing talent here, but we that's didn't true. have a lot of places to express it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess one of the things that we must discuss would be uh, how did you end up, at Red Mountain Theater, and how did you end up deciding that this was something that you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, so I I have older sisters who were involved with Red Mountain before I came here, and um, I don't know, I saw the holiday show every year that they did it, and um, the showcase uh, for the youth programs, and I just immediately, I was a competitive dancer, I had done singing lessons, but I had never really immersed myself in musical theater before, and it was just, so exciting to see kids excited about what they were doing and and seemingly loving it and having a community of like-minded kids where you could go outside of school and just express yourself and so when I saw that, I really wanted to be a part of it and I auditioned and I started in Spotlights, which was now, what is now called, is it still Spotlights?
0: It's still Spotlights, okay. from okay, what I understand. Good, good. Um, <laughs>
1: so that was kind of my start and then I was in Spotlights I think for a couple of years and did performing ensembles so this was my life for, for a good chunk of my high school career and I'm really grateful for that.
0: But it didn't start there, right, because I have a Distinct memory of seeing your dad at like a talent show that we had for families, I think, yeah. at the cabaret. Maybe. And he sang an Elton John song <laughs> on the piano, and I thought he was the coolest guy I had ever seen in my life.
1: <laughs> he, still, he still plays that Elton John song on the piano. What is,
0: is it Matt Hatter's or something? Um,
1: Mona Lisa's and Matt Hatter's, yeah. That's the one. Uh-huh. Yes, my father loved to play the piano, and... He grew up wanting to be a songwriter, a musician, but his family said, you know, if you wanna have a family, it's probably not best to go into a job that's really uh, unstable. And he definitely wanted a family, so he decided to be a doctor instead, just casually. Um, And, you know, I think he still really had a joy and a love and a passion for writing music and performing music, so when, you know, he had four girls, he made sure that music was always a part of our life and I'm really grateful for that because, you know, now it's my whole life and uh and he is still so supportive of all of the dreams that he kind of planted in my head,
0: so. What I think is so interesting about your trajectory mm. is that you do ha- you are a musician. Yes. You're definitely a musician <laughs> in my eyes. Yes. And you also do theater, mm-hmm. and that's how I've always felt myself. Mm-hmm. Was that I I came in from a musical background and right. then found out that I liked to act and yeah, because it's fun. It is fun.
1: It's yeah, it's another mode of performing, and it's just all heightened. You kind of get to escape to dreamland for a bit. It's...
0: So, did you study music at all, or are you self-taught? Or
1: I'm I'm I'd say I'm self-taught, but I did learn everything I know from YouTube videos and. Just sort of seeking out information anywhere I could about production of music. And, you know, I loved top 40 hits as a kid and I wanted to learn how to make them and not have to pay anyone to help me do it. So I just sort of looked on YouTube. I I got books and things, but I never had any formal education. So I just sort of learned by doing and by collaborating. And, yeah.
0: You're kind of a perfect example of someone who YouTube, internet, <laughs> social media, all of those things really gave you so many tools that.
1: Absolutely. Even
0: for those few years that I didn't have that maybe, mm-hmm. you know, changed everything. I remember I had to take drum lessons from some guy at church.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. It
0: was wonderful, uh-huh. but it's a little bit different when you could see beats you'd never heard before. Right. Or you know, sounds you'd never heard before.
1: It's so true. Uh, Social media, the internet has sort of changed the game, I think, for people who wanna chase their dreams because if you want it and you make it happen, you normally wanna share your story. And when you share that story, you inspire so many people who have the same dream. And I think that's really wonderful and beautiful that, you know, that love and that passion for music can be found literally everywhere on the internet. So, yeah. I'm grateful for it. That's amazing. Mm.
0: So you, coming through as a spotlight, did you perform throughout the whole time that you were?
1: I think the last year. So I graduated a little bit early. Um, I did, I like homeschooled from 10th to 12th grade uh, so that I could do more shows with Red Mountain.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful.
1: Um, yeah. And uh, just graduate early. I knew what I what I wanted to do and I wanted to move out to Los Angeles and kind of try to be a songwriter and a pop star and just like start my journey so um but I did it all throughout high school until my senior year so.
0: The reason I ask is because I think part of the reason that I'm here talking to you today Mm -hmm. is that I also sort of just dove in to what this theater had to offer Mm -hmm. because it was so unlike anything else. Yep. I felt I I kind of milked (laughs) Mountain Brook High School for all it was worth you know Uh and I did everything I could there, but I remember feeling like I I needed to be here at the theater because mm-hmm. there was magic happening and I wanted to be a part of it. Absolutely. Do you feel like that's...
1: Uh, absolutely. I think this company, from the very beginning, has created such a safe space for kids who want to be creative and who want to perform and express themselves in a way that might scare other kids at school. You know, like I feel like... I was such a ham growing up, and, and it really freaked people out sometimes because it just is not the way that kids want to be. They kind of want to follow the crowd and, like, not stand out. So when I wanted to stand out, I I, I was sort of bullied a little bit, and, and so having a place like Red Mountain to sort of escape to um, that offered so many different things. You know, you could be in shows throughout the year, but you also could be a part of the youth programs, and you could do outreaches where you go out in the community and you perform with Red Mountain and there were just I was always so busy and I loved being busy because you know it it kept me motivated and it kept me curious about new things and new ways to explore the music space and theater and you know hey now I'm I'm writing musical theater so that's kind of it's kind of crazy how it all sort of came full circle. It's amazing. Yeah.
0: It's one of those things that I think YouTube can't give us, right? potentially. I mean, we, it can get us close, but there's something about the collaborative space that's so yeah. relaxing mm-hmm. and enjoyable, and Yeah, it's my absolute favorite part of doing it.
1: Uh-huh. Same.
0: And I also feel like I felt the same way you did. I think we went to the same high school mm-hmm. and all yes. that. We So growing up, I remember feeling like I was one of those folks. I describe it as a – I had benign eccentricities. In other words, I didn't quite fit in, <laughs> but I didn't threaten people. I was right. just, you know, I just, I was sort of a, an, an entertainer. I entertained the, the people, yeah. mm-hmm. but I was never really friends with them. Right. And um, what I found coming to the theater in general, you know, mm-hmm. with a capital T, <laughs> was that it was a place where I could do exactly what you described. Yeah. And I think, I wonder if, if being from Alabama plays into your journey at all
1: probably definitely um i mean i don't think that when i so i moved here actually from mississippi when i was like 6 or so and there was like one theater company there but they only did a few shows a year i've never ever found anything quite like red mountain theater and and i've never heard of anyone else from any other place doing what red mountain does and you know i'm sure they exist but uh this company just cares so much about the kids and they really, really want to see us succeed. Um, and so when they do, they they ask us to come back and do stuff like this, you know, and, and we still get to be involved in in the program and we get to inspire the kids coming up. And, you know, ever since life started getting crazy for me, I, I really love that I get to come back here and talk to the kids and tell them like, hey, I'm successful doing what you're doing right now in high school and what you if you want to do this for the rest of your life it's possible you know and it doesn't it doesn't have to come with you know um scare like being scared of it um or being scared that you're not good enough uh because it's it's just about hard work you know and right. the kind of hard work that you do here i think prepared me for the hard work um just in life you know
0: absolutely seeing people from our company and just from the Birmingham community at large
1: mm-hmm.
0: succeed when given the right path
1: mm-hmm.
0: was, was incredible because I do think we all still think of ourselves as just a bunch of kids from Alabama. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, yeah, but I, I, do. I, I just always think we're just a bunch of kids from Alabama. Yeah. And the fact that we had a place to, to put all that um, heart mm-hmm. is so important. And that's, that would be the next thing because we obviously learned how to work hard I mean, that was. Yeah,
1: (laughs) you learn how to work really hard. And you also learn how to be a professional and how to act like a professional at a very young age, which is, it was so important and valuable actually in the real world because you go out and you see like people not prepared for auditions, and I'm like, I I literally could never do that. I don't know how that's. I, it just blows my mind. How are
0: you late? I <laughs> know. <laughs> no. Right.
1: Fifteen minutes is um, on time, or fifteen minutes early is on time. Exactly. On time is late, and late is unacceptable. Right. That has been like a golden rule of mine and it, it was Keith Cromwell's golden rule. I
0: can't wear flip flops. I can't <laughs> relax in flip flops because me I just either. know that they're off limits. Yeah, absolutely. Something deep down inside.
1: They're not for me. I don't think I own a single pair of flip flops anymore. Truly. Cro- I do think I life. own one. I'm telling
0: you. I live the croc life. I'm always going to live the
1: croc life. Oh, I life. need crocs. I really actually need crocs. They're
0: fantastic. And I'm sure they have pink crocs.
1: In fact, <laughs> I know crocs. they do. Tallula oh, wants,
0: wants Oh, Talula. I know. How is she? She's great.
1: Does she come to shows? Have you guys brought her in She has
0: not seen much mm-hmm. because she's very small. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, she is And her attention small. span is very short. That's true. But what she's seen, she loves. Oh, good. I mean, she loves it. Good. We went and saw a dance performance next door to our house recently. Not a Red Mountain, but a mm. bunch of uh, alum- alumni from Alabama. Amazing. Who work at Children's Dance Foundation where we used to rehearse. Yes, CDF. And they CDF. did a dance show at this we live next to like a 30 acre farm.
1: Oh, amazing.
0: In, in Bluff Park. It's That's great. That's fabulous. We love, love it. It's so different than Manhattan. It's, <laughs> it's like the I, we li, we went from Manhattan to
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Acreage. Yeah. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, wow. from but a they, cardboard box to <laughs> Right. to just like Yeah, land.
0: A, a a lawn that takes me an hour and a half to mow. Right. <laughs> but I love it. But we did we saw a dance show and and seeing how how it changed her dancing at home, mm-hmm. she went from like upward so bouncing sort of like uh-huh. and a little bit of twirling, like a lot of twirling. Yeah. Mostly twirling. <laughs> and then she now like does these like slow reaches and like pauses and oh. she'll like crouch down and she just really feeling. She loved it. She loved it. Oh. she loved it. And that's when I think about how important arts education is for kids like us. hmm you know wh- where would we be? I mean, could you imagine the misery that we'd be feeling if we didn't have <laughs> art?
1: I I know it's it's become my whole life and become I'm so grateful that it's become my job. Um, but yeah, it started as a tiny seed of just wanting to be on stage performing. If I hadn't been given a stage, I don't know what I would have done. I I don't know. I probably would be at a desk job right now. I honestly have no idea. Hard
0: to imagine, right? Yeah. Sometimes I think I would be. I don't know, I'd probably be like in India or something. I don't know, I just have no idea. I was like trying to imagine that. where I would be, but <laughs> it just, it really ground, grounded my life. Mm-hmm. And I also, you know, I say that art saved my life in many ways, but one one of them is that like, I really was hanging out with a different crowd, like a rougher crowd, you okay, know, growing yeah, up. Yeah. And there was something about showing up to a thing that, there was a very strict policy oh, about yeah. drugs and alcohol and mm-hmm. and things like that where i just you know this this comes back to the the heart of what i was trying to say say earlier is that we not only do we learn discipline mm-hmm. which what, those rules were huge for me i mean yep. I, I i was very i took those very seriously
1: yeah same i mean i wanted to be a leader position in the performing ensemble so i those were the thing that kept me on the straight and narrow you know what i mean
0: 1000% well, mhm but the thing that kept us wanting to do that wasn't fear. Fear was not the thing that motivated me. No. It was truly love. Yeah. Like I just singing with this group of people mm-hmm. every week. Yep. It became spiritual.
1: It did. It was it was a ritual. Like truly having a routine as a kid where, you know, I had to be on time to rehearsal. I had to, you know learn how to work well with peers. I mean, it, it's an incredibly invaluable experience as a kid to have that sort of structure, you know? And, and when I left, I missed it. I missed having a place to go after school and a place to go on the weekends, you know, where I had to be present and be prepared and work really hard. I think it, it truly is the best preparation for real life. It is.
0: So to me, I can always recall the spiritual experiences i've had mm-hmm. on stage the one that i always comes to mind for me it wasn't even on stage we went to england it was scotland actually oh. and we were which was incredible yeah
1: i've never been we, out of this country so i really i'm going to london in november i'm very excited
0: oh but, my gosh yeah. i mean but continue i hope you enjoy it. that's that's <laughs> going to be incredible we got to go to the west end and see some shows and we went to i can't even remember the name of the college but it was one of those places mm-hmm. where they had a, a you know Fierce, for lack of a better word, <laughs> musical theater program. Oh, love and that! And they performed for us, and we performed for them, and we sang songs for New World, and oh it was gosh. just literally it was it was a, it was a song share, but with like mm-hmm. these giant ensembles. So it was like I love it. We're all singing for them, and they're all singing for us. And I remember I had I dragged a pair of bongos through through London, like, <laughs> and the whole time in Scotland and everything, just to because they wanted me to have a a drum to play uh-huh. for for. One of the songs. I love that. You know the things we do, right? I
1: know. <laughs> but I'll
0: never forget, like looking around at my peers and just like we're singing songs for New World and like holding our own with oh, this yeah. college program.
1: Oh and yeah. I mean, you your group of performing ensemble. I, you guys are we're such stars. And I think <laughs> when we got to when I at least when I got into performing ensemble. I looked around and I was like, are we as, as good as the old days? Like, are we as good as the as the legacy performing ensemble members that I grew up just watching all the time, you know?
0: Well, of course you were, but also <laughs> we had that, you know, we also had that group. They yeah. were older than us and they were the coolest people we yeah. have ever. Idolized. I mean, I still idolize them.
1: I still idolize you guys, literally. Audrey, You like, Audrey Cardwell. And oh,
0: man. Yeah. I mean,
1: so many people that just absolutely blew my mind as a kid.
0: I love that, you know, Morgan
1: Smith, mm-hmm. Goodwin, Smith?
0: one of my friends, and uh-huh. also, like, I just was like, how are you, you? I know, she's But such a West star. Seals, who I absolutely love, and Juliet mm-hmm. Brooks, who's now Juliet Mittermeier, her yes. daughter uh, was in my music class in New York. I was teaching music classes to young kids. Oh, my god. And so I got to, like, be her daughter's music teacher, and it just was so... It felt so full circle because yeah. I used to idolize them, and yeah. now here I am teaching their kids. I it know was... it's
1: crazy; it's literally crazy.
0: But all that to say, do you have any memories of some moments on stage that? Oh yeah! Just live oh, so in... many,
1: so many. I have on-stage ones. I have off-stage ones. Um, you know, I think one big one for me was when I got to play my dream role um, at the Red Mountain Theater Cabaret in Next to Normal um and you know you played uh, opposite me I did and <laughs> <laughs> and um I think it was our last show we had only gotten a, a a limited run i think it was a couple of weeks of shows um but it was my dream role and it was so fun to play and i wanted every performance to be my best but there was a moment where i wanted to cry in the end and i never got to cry until the last show cuz all i was mm. thinking was like if this is the last show that i ever do here or if this is the last big you know role i play here i'm going to go out with a bang and you know that immediately made me sad because i was like thinking oh this might be the last you know time i ever play this role right um, and i just i cried and i got there and that, that emotional moment and you know i i had never really made a breakthrough like that as an actress mm. before and because i I've been an actor last always you right. know I've been like a dancer singer actor I've been a singer dancer actor, but an actor always right. is always landing last so having that breakthrough and being like, oh you know what I can do that. I can get to that breakthrough even if it takes me a moment, you know it I never gave up in that sense um and I still love to act and would still love to do more theater so. I mean, it it was a really great experience and a really good learning experience to and to feed off of other characters and other actors, too, because that was a really big part of it.
0: Next to Normal was special. Mm-hmm. It, it really was. very was.
1: special. A really great experience.
0: You were amazing. <laughs> you were I amazing. I loved watching you every yeah. night. It was like, you know, of course, we couldn't know where you were headed, but at the same time, <laughs> time it's just like we knew we had something special going on and, mm. and you were just in, you know, not your prime because you've got so much life <laughs> ahead of you, but you were just really crushing it. I mean, it was, a, it was really, truly amazing. Thank you. And I, I loved think, it. It
1: was so fun.
0: So fun. And mm-hmm. I think what was, for me, was so powerful about that production was having lived now in LA, New York, Chicago, mm-hmm. doing art for people who get to see art a lot yeah. and get to enjoy it and, and are and are challenged by art, um, Something about doing it here in Birmingham was so freaking special. Yep. And it's actually it was somebody who came up to me at a coffee shop. Um, it might have been months later, if not <laughs> years, I think. Wow. Maybe a couple years after the show. And uh, she said, you were next to normal, right? And I was like, I was. And oh, she my was God. Like, you, she was like, that production changed my life. She <gasps> said there is a – she was like, without getting too much into it, like there's a lot of mental – yeah. illness in my family and I never talked about it we never talked about it and that show it changed me wow and i just you know just to hear someone say that and mm-hmm. and know that art made its way into her heart and gave her a place to to feel and to yeah. feel seen and that uh, we did it here where people need it yeah was yeah. truly amazing
1: yeah it's i i didn't even really realize how big the impact could be because that that show blew my mind when I saw it on Broadway because it's just so different. You know, there's lots of it's almost a slice of life. You know, mm. it's it's deals with very real, mm. hard situations, um, and you know it. Not everything always turns out like a happily ever after, but Next to Normal somehow still gives you a happily ever after in the hope that things mm. will get better. Um, and, you know, I think that's a really good sentiment. And it's kind of what I've been experiencing for the past year of, like, you know, living through a pandemic. That's crazy. Um, but, you know, hoping that things get better. I It's a really, I guess it's a really good moral of the story.
0: I love that it leaves us, like you just said, with... Another day. It's yeah. just you know where isn't that the end of the last song or is it the first? There song? will be light. Will be just light. another day
1: starts <laughs> the, the <first>. show. <laughs> okay, but still,
0: you could just do the show over and over, and it would right. still sort of be like
1: because that's life.
0: That is life,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like you know, um, I've had in the past week, I had like one amazing day, and then one just like oh, just trash day. Yeah, and, like, and I think that that's especially. In a town where people don't have as much artistic access, mm-hmm. and in a town where teenagers are feeling a lot of feelings and yep. don't know where to put them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I was so grateful for theater and music.
1: Yep, me too. For it, that, it it was my escape for sure. And you know, outside of Red Mountain and musical theater, I I really loved pop music and wanted to explore that. So you know, having an outlet where I could just not only perform and have you know those needs met as a child, I also had you know, my little diary of so- like songs that I would just write in my bedroom and and any way that I could, you know, immerse myself in music really helped um, with all of those feelings that we feel as teens and where we don't know where to put them, you know, so I just kind of put them online and and I loved that Red Mountain was, you know, they they saw that happening and they had you know rules and guidelines again for that as well, for social media. But they were all always so supportive of both sides of the spectrum, which I love.
0: There's a joy in singing other people's music because mm-hmm. you can just sort of let go and just like let the music do what it does and mm-hmm. see how you interpret it. But you're an, you're a songwriter. Mm-hmm. You love. I mean, I love your music. <laughs> you love it. your music. I love your music. <laughs> And I love writing as well. Mm-hmm. I love to write songs. Nobody's heard my songs. And I think that there's something about it because we're we're just different in age enough
1: uh-huh.
0: where putting yourself out there was just not as much of a thing for for, for my your, genera- yeah. It's like weird to say generation because we're the same, but also right. it's it sometimes a few years makes a difference.
1: It definitely does because literally, I think Instagram came out when I was in like seventh grade, so it was like the formative. 13-year-old years where, you know, I was a middle child in just constant need of attention. Like right, I said, a ham. Right. So the, hey, look at me, kind of thing, I, I just sort of leaned into that always.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But, I mean, I don't think that you would, When did Instagram come out for you and, and oh, ways gosh. to get your music out there?
0: I think I was already... Probably had dropped out of college and I was... In a band,
1: right? So you, you had know. already you already had a trajectory of we, some kind. We were already yeah. I was already
0: kind of moving, but um, I'm I'm curious about. Did you go to college? No, I didn't think so. No, so I you didn't. went to, you went straight to L.A.
1: Yes, I had grown my social media following um, mainly on TikTok or what is called what was musically and is now TikTok. Right. Yeah, and I had you know, attracted the interest of a, a manager who was out in L.A. and I went and had a meeting with him and I think that gave my parents sort of the confidence in me that I could possibly, you know, do this for a living.
0: Uh, so you were already writing stuff and making that happen while you were here. Yes, I was. And that's one of the benefits of being homeschooled, I have to assume.
1: It, it is. I, I mean, I think I, it really took off when I started homeschooling from like 10th to 12th grade and, um... You know, it, it was really my biggest passion and, like, a priority in my life to just, like, try to get, make it happen as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, because I knew what I wanted to do, and I'm an impatient person.
0: <laughs> right. Well, that speaks to, to your ambition and, and also mm-hmm. the ambition that we were allowed to have. Right. Because so many people, I think, are told, you're going to have to work. Mm-hmm. And cut your you're going to have to pay your dues or whatever it is, whatever obstacles get in the way time, from our timeline mm-hmm. of when we hope to succeed. But you're a perfect example of someone who's just like, well, I can just I can manipulate time. I can <laughs> I can crunch it all down and just and like yeah. focus. You, like, dude, what your songwriting process must be. Mm-hmm. For a while, it must have just been like quantity, right? Just I, I write oh, as yeah. many songs as you can, right?
1: Yeah, it's quantity over quality always for me, actually, <laughs> because <laughs> I subscribe to the idea that not every song you write will be a hit, but songwriting is a muscle, mm. and. The more you do it, the better you get at it. The easier it becomes. Right. Um, the faster you can write. Uh, so yeah, I just wrote whatever I was feeling down on paper and started playing some chords on the piano. And sometimes there would be ten songs with the same chord progression but different lyrics. You know, mm-hmm. just so I was practicing and getting better at at the craft that I wanted to get better at. But you're right to speak to that. Um, you know. Red Mountain being a place that you're allowed to have ambition, I think a lot of kids are told and sort of warned away from what they want to do because it scares their parents mm-hmm. or whoever that it won't be a stable um, job or a stable journey, you know. And although that might be true and it it could be scary and could be a risk. Um, I think Red Mountain sort of gave me the confidence to realize that it's possible. And if I want it and I work really hard and I treat it like it's my job even when it's not, because I treated the musical theater of Red Mountain and the shows that we did as a job. It Mm -hmm. was a place I showed up to on time. I might not have been getting paid for it, but I was paid in uh, education and experience. I think that was really important. So Yeah.
0: I like to think that when people work with folks like us, Mm. that they—the question I love hearing from others is, "Where do you? Who are you? (laughs) Yeah, where did you come from? (laughs) Uh You know, because we say we're from Alabama, and people paint a picture already. Oh yeah,
1: definitely. And then,
0: and then they see us work, and I like to think that it's true for most of us that Mm -hmm. that we 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 work hard. Regardless of what the craft is, because we know that you can only enjoy it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: if you do it as well as you can.
1: It's true. It's really true. And I think the staff here, this organization always um, tells us that, you know, that if you want to get the most out of this and you want to look back and say, you know, I'm really proud of what I did as a kid and how well it prepared me for the future, that you have to just give it your all and you really have to dedicate yourself to, you know, being the best version of whatever your dream wants, you know, right. for you to be, so, yeah, yeah. I, I'm i proud of what I did here. And, and I think that, you're right, there is a sort of painting that people have of Alabama, but I don't think it's true. I think there's lots of opportunity here and there's so much talent here. It's insane Um, and evident from how many incredible people who have been involved in this theater organization um, have done and all the things that they've done so far.
0: Well, you're adding a nice splash of pink and purple to this painting of Alabama that people have. (laughs) and thats I think that's what's so magical and one of the things that inspires me about you know, coming back is just trying to change the narrative about mm-hmm. what we are and and what we could be. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you're really good at bringing it back to the theater. But I want to keep talking about your path because you yes. went to you went to L.A. Mm-hmm. because an agent or a manager was interested in you, representing you based on your yes your success on what is now TikTok. Yes. And what does that what does that even do? I mean, like, what does that mean? <laughs>
1: I don't honestly, I didn't really know either. Um I was convinced that, you know, he was gonna make me a star and he had connections with record labels. Unfortunately, right. that wasn't the case. but sure. he did sort of help um in the fact that he was a cheerleader for me, and he sort of uh, helped me book gigs and things like that. And that's sort of the hustle when you move out to Los Angeles for a music career is you just gotta perform as much as possible and meet as many other songwriters as possible. So that's kind of where it started. I moved uh, to LA at 18 and I lived alone, but my sister lived like 10, 15 minutes away from me. So she was always at my apartment and that was nice to have family out there. Um, And then, you know, I started meeting promoters uh, in LA and finding places to perform. But the unfortunate thing was that most of the places I was performing were bars and Mm. places 21 and over. Of course. And I was 18, so they would kick me out literally right after my set and I wouldn't get to network at all. I did the same
0: thing in Chicago, (laughs) yeah, same thing.
1: It's so annoying.
0: I know.
1: I mean, I get it. It's so arbitrary. I understand
0: well we have examples from other countries where it's not an issue and it just feels really right. silly but.
1: so it was it was um it was a hard couple of years just sort of getting my getting myself on my feet um, and sort of learning the ropes but um you know, I kept growing my social media following as, as big as I possibly could. I started dating boys, which, you know, became a distraction.
0: Tell me about it.
1: Ugh, but also gave me something to write about, which was great. Good. So I had uh, lots of experience um, dating out there when I never had time to do that as a teenager. Mm. Um, and I had a lot of firsts in the first couple of years that I lived in Los Angeles. Um, first heartbreak was a big one, you know? It, it kind of took me away from music and the things i loved because i loved this person just like i loved you know all of that but when they were taken away i found how i could use that experience in my own writing and that also opened doors for me um in creating with others because people heard my music started to get good, you know, because it was actually honest and I had Mm. something to write about now. So. (laughs) I love that.
0: I mean, that's, that is exactly my experience as Mm -hmm. well. I was, I meant to say about specifically Heartbreak Mm -hmm. because, you know, I was writing a lot of these pop lines. Mm -hmm. I love writing, like, hooks and
1: Yes, me too, and And it was so good. Like, you're so good.
0: That's very sweet. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it was fun, and it was really up here, but then I also, there's, like, one song in that record where I wrote about Audrey, my ex-girlfriend, who also went here, Mm -hmm. who I I adore, and... We love her. We love her. We're we're very close. I love her so much. Um, But it's crazy because I'd have people come up to me after the show, and they would say, dude that verse you know because I was I was in a mm-hmm. democratic large committee of funk musicians so <laughs> I didn't have it wasn't all me mm-hmm. but I'd have like a verse and people would that would be the one right mm-hmm. you know and then and then the next album I met Leanne my now wife and and wrote and have some music I like she's I've written so many songs I, I always make fun of her because she always wants another song and I'm like I've no, written
1: a million about yeah, you <laughs> you're, you have more songs than
0: any person on the planet at this point oh. but um but there is something about it because when you start to, when that heart breaks, it breaks open. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's scary to, to, the, to us, but as artists it is our life force. Oh yeah,
1: I definitely. It, it, I, it was the one thing that I was like constantly, constantly writing about and consistently writing good songs about, which was kind of the first experience of real life that I could draw from honestly. Um, I was writing like cheating songs and cheater songs when I was 16 and like no one had cheated on me. I didn't know what that was like, (laughs) but I was just trying to like, you know, exercise my brain and use my imagination. But it's a different, it's a whole other ballgame when you're writing about your own life. And so I got really used to that and just being honest about what I was going through and sort of just used music as therapy for a bit. And um, I start. I slowly started meeting collaborators. I um, joined ASCAP, which is sort of like mm-hmm. a, I I don't really know how you would. Um, it's it's kind of how I would publish my music or put you know my music out there so I could get royalties from it um, if I were to release music, and so I just I joined ASCAP. I had a meeting with their artist relations team. And I was like, hey, here's some songs that I've just written on my own. Do you have anyone that you think I would work well with? Like any producers or other songwriters? And they gave me a long list of people that were based in Los Angeles, sort of had my sound. And I started just cold calling people and reaching out through social media. And um, you know, I heard back from a few, had a few sessions. And then I met this one producer who was so crazy and exactly what I wanted to sound like as a pop musician, and we worked together, and we wrote a couple songs together, and I started putting out music just on my own, and sort of promoting it on my, in my own little corner of the internet, um, through Musical.ly, and Instagram, and everything, everywhere that I could get my name, I just pushed, and nothing happened for a while, you know, I think my audience and the people from Alabama who loved me and wanted to support me and my big dreams, were listening to my music, but it wasn't a it wasn't a huge pool of people, and and I got discouraged for a bit, and I was like, oh, I'm not good enough, and you know, went through that whole thing and met another boy and uh, and got distracted for a year and didn't write a, write a song for like a year and a half while I dated that person, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of let life happen to me for a minute. Which, ever since then, I've just made a decision that that's never going to be who I am as sort of a let life happen to me kind of person because it made me really sad, and I didn't really have motivation to pursue this as a career anymore. And um, at that point, that that partner I had was pursuing it in in the entertainment business, and, and it's sort of just... It, it made me more insecure because I wasn't able to write. I didn't know what to write. I think I was too scared to be honest with myself in that relationship. So it led to me just like shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, And that was sort of a formative experience and, and one that really, really changed the game for me because when I ended that relationship, I had waited a bit to sort of write about it. And I, I think I, I wasn't... Uh, performing at all because last show I did in Los Angeles literally no one came. Uh, I had invited all my friends and um, the only person that came was my sister and it was an empty bar Mm. and the promoter um, made me pay for the tickets that I was supposed to sell before the show but didn't. Mm. Um, And I almost gave up, like real talk almost gave up. because That was brutal. brutal. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really hard. I mean, if you want to pursue it, especially in Los Angeles, it's I mean, it's so saturated. Everyone wants to be a musician. And and I know why, because it's fabulous and wonderful and and it's what we all love to do. Um, But, you know, you really have to just have a thick skin and be able to dust off your knees when you fall down, because, yeah, it was hard. So that was kind of the first like first little chapter of my my career I guess or like my journey and, um,
0: and I have to just mention you're doing a lot of this alone yeah. and on a path that has not been trod before
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. because this you especially with the social media element the musically and the TikTok mm-hmm. and Instagram this was you were early in that yeah, stuff
1: I was you really were
0: I was and I, so I you saw- had no path
1: yeah no I saw the potential in social media on how to push my music, and and honestly, just learn more about um, songwriting because there were also uh, songwriters like me who were starting on Musically and singers, and the more that people started doing that, the better I got because I was learning from other creators, mm-hmm. um, and I would live stream and just write music from my bedroom and. I'd have a little audience of people that would come every single day and watch me write music and like request songs and it was almost like I was just in a huge jam session like every day but it was all virtual and I made a little bit of money from that actually like kind of like Twitch and how people make right. money streaming from Twitch it was another platform but <clears throat> I had like you know people who would subscribe to rewatch the live streams and, um, the ones they had missed, or if they had missed one, it was just it was a little community that I had created online and and they were big cheerleaders of mine, and were kind of convincing me to never give up on what I was doing and I don't know i it was a big, big help as as a teenager with no one um mm. to have people from around the world who who liked what I was doing and wanted to be a part of it that was that was exciting It's amazing, yeah,
0: and sometimes it really does take just couple people, maybe just one, <laughs> to just say, hey, I still listen to this thing that you that you wrote.
1: Right. I believe however in many you. Years ago. Yeah. I believe
0: in you. But at, at the end of the day, it's I believe in you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And your music has affected me. Your art has affected me. Seeing you on stage changed me or something. Yeah. The, any of those little bits, like my, my friend suggested an idea that I think is wonderful where she said I keep a I list of, I call it my treasure chest mm-hmm. of compliments. And so she's just like, well, write down the things that People have said to her that kept her going. I need
1: I to like, do that. I know. I have so many of those. <laughs> we we love
0: to put all the terrible things people have said to us that have made us feel terrible. We 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 like put that on the top shelf. We pull it we out every do. night. And, you know, oh look my gosh,
1: it. you're so right.
0: But it's the ones that really keep us yeah. focused and like you know. And I'm so, obviously we're so glad anyone so anyone who loves an artist is glad that they're still going yeah because it shows that you're still willing to to go there and dig dig into what's a, a clearly a deep well of
1: mm-hmm.
0: possibilities totally and your songwriting got so much better over time yeah. right like I, I remember seeing your early stuff thinking
1: it's she's, good. Oh yeah, well
0: she she's in high school <laughs> you know she, she's getting there and right. like, and then to hear some of this stuff from this new Bridgerton thing that you wrote mm-hmm. is truly amazing oh I mean I'm cute. sitting here just the first thing I had to do is just like let the chills wash over me,
1: you <laughs> oh, know. Oh, thank you, truly. And
0: of course. I mean, that's but that's that's the that's the beauty of watching someone who's really spent time on their craft. Like mm-hmm. Really,
1: it was go important for it. to me. Like I wanted to be good at it, and I didn't want to just get lucky. You know, I wanted to put in the hard work that it takes to, you know make music that people, everyone loves, that not only a certain demographic loves, but when everyone hears it, they love it. Like, I, I I get so choked up and emotional every time I see a video someone posts of a little girl singing If I Were a Man oh. from the Bridgerton album, or, you know, a little boy dancing to burn for you. Like, it just, it, it makes my heart sore because that's all I've ever wanted was to have a universally loved piece of artwork. Um...
0: It's amazing. Yeah. So. It gives me chills. And I know I sent you a video of my daughter Tallulah singing yes. Burn for You. Which She's perfect. Is, makes me so happy. Because clearly, <laughs> I mean, there's something about that song in particular. You know, sometimes you just, yeah. just one will come through. And for whatever reason, it just catches. Yeah. And then I was at a wedding last weekend in Colorado. And I mentioned you. And I mentioned what you were doing mm-hmm. to someone who I thought might, you know, because it's, it's universally beloved. In a niche world where oh, people yes. like theater and they, you know, right? It's like it's a, have seen the show.
1: Yes, it's a certain corner of the internet. But if you have heard if the you're music, in that you corner, like it. You yeah. definitely know
0: what it is. And so to hear someone like at a wedding in Colorado and like, oh, I love that music. You know, just That's like how best. cool is that? Right?
1: It's crazy. It really is insane that it has been given the reach that it was. Um, I was not expecting it because, you know, during the pandemic was kind of chapter two or three or four, I guess, of my journey. I had been, you know, doing sort of the same thing in L.A. for a bit. And then after, you know, the bad breakup, where I didn't write music for a year and a half, um, I got back on my stuff. I I started, you know, really taking back control of my life and um, stopped letting life happen to me for forever. Um, Never going to do that again, but I finally felt ready to open that wound and write music about it. And there was something about that traumatic experience I had that really led to like, hitting a stride in songwriting. Mm. And so I was writing something new every single day. And it was something new I loved every day. So I would post it on TikTok, even if it was just like a first verse and chorus. Um, because people loved it. And, and when I would post one, it would it would do well. So I was excited that now I was having opportunities sort of around my songwriting because people liked it. And that's never really happened before, you know, to find new audience members with each new song that I would write. And so I, I slowly began to rebuild my social media, which I hadn't really touched for a year and a half, and was writing really great songs. And all of a sudden, I realized that I had written a song, like a year and a half, half ago, at at that time, it was like a, a year and a half ago, and um, it sounded like a Megan Trainor song, and I saw that she was on TikTok now, and she was following people, and she was commenting on people's videos, and so I just sort of uh, posted a, a TikTok where I was like, hey, Trainer, Trainor, um, I wrote this song with you kind of in mind, and if you want it, it's yours. Like She would actually take my song and sing right. it. Um, so so funny, but she saw it, and she DM'd me on Instagram and asked to FaceTime me. And at that point, I was literally like m- moving out of my apartment in Burbank to to live alone, and I was moving out with a roommate. And there was like no no furniture anywhere. I was like sitting on the ground having a breakdown. That Megan Trainer wanted to FaceTime me, and wow. um, she FaceTimed me and was like. I am obsessed with you. You are the cutest thing ever, um, and we just had a, an hour long conversation where she told me to tell my parents. You know, sh- that I have I have nothing to worry about. That this will be something I'm gonna be able to do if I just keep working hard. Wow! And she said, keep writing songs, um, post, keep posting them because I'm watching. And I was like, okay,
0: oh, I'm, I'm teared up over here. I That's know. Amazing.
1: I know. It was. It. It was. Uh, surreal because I had listened to her music since I was 16 and the first time I heard all about that bass, I was like, this is the kind of music I want to make.
0: That's a great song. It's a
1: great song. She's a fantastic songwriter. Like
0: She wrote that? Yeah. Oh, that's cool.
1: Oh, she writes all of her own music. I she's, didn't know that. She is uh, unruly. She's the How real ta- deal. She's the real deal. And I knew that. She was like a songwriter signed with L.A. Reed before she was even... Uh, even a a pop artist, you know, she was writing for other artists. So, you know, having her support in that moment, especially when I was like moving out because I couldn't afford this apartment anymore, like having that just lit a fire under my butt to write even more songs. Um, So then I moved to that small little pool house. It was like a pool house in the backyard of um, someone else's house Mm -hmm. and I had all the privacy in the world. I could make as much noise as late as possible and as late as I wanted, and no one would hear me. So I wrote- A dream yes, for artists, a dream.
0: for those of you who don't
1: know. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, and so I just, I continued to get better and try to uh, improve my songwriting craft, and I listened to a lot of new music and, you know, wanted to do research on what people were listening to at that moment because pop music changes like every five years, you know? So not only did I want the music to be honest and good, but I I wanted other people to love it too. And so I wrote this one song that just happened to connect with a bunch of people and it was like the first pop song to ever go viral for me, which was called Trust Issues. And okay. I hadn't heard from Megan Trainer in a bit. And when I posted that song, she texted me and she was like, this is a hit. And she FaceTimed me and she was in Scotland with her husband, which is Junie from Spy Kids. Oh, wow. I know, they're so sweet together. Oh. But um, she FaceTimed me and immediately I picked up and she started singing the chorus. She was like, now I got trust issues with her husband. And wow. I, I just immediately started crying. Oh. Cause I just, I it was uncontrollable, uh, because I she's like my idol, like she is my, yeah. she is exactly who I wanted to be, and to have her be like, I want to help you produce this out, I want you to come to my house, I want to, I want to meet you, I want you to meet my manager and everyone that you know is in my life, and, like a week later probably she invited me to her house to record another song and write another song with her. And that was crazy. Um, And it just sort of ended with her being like, I wanna help you pitch three or four songs, some really solid pop songs to a major label and get you a record deal. And that had literally been music to my ears. Like it was exactly what I wanted.
0: It's incredible.
1: And it all sounded a little too good to be true. (laughs) Um, And at that point, the pandemic was just starting to get, like, like approach the U.S., you know? Mm. Um, nothing was shut down quite, quite yet, but people were getting scared. And she told me that she really believed in me and that she wanted to help me because I was just – I was in awe that she was so supportive and willing to take her time out of her busy schedule and, and just support a young artist who – had literally no connections like her at all. And you know, it it that was how the conversation ended was, I believe in you. I want to help you do this. And I think the next day was the day that like lockdown officially went into place. Mm. And she had told me that she wanted to have a baby and that like if something bad happened and the world shut down that she was she was gonna have a baby. (laughs) And I was like, great. Um, that's amazing. I hope the world doesn't shut down um, because then we won't get to work together anymore. Um, but then the world shut down. And wow. you know, we kept in touch over text, but there wasn't much she could do. And there wasn't much that record labels were doing at all during that time. So that was sad. I mm. mean,, I don't know what what were you doing during the pandemic when it first hit?
0: Well, first of all, I have to say that what an amazing story. And <laughs> also just like, not only was she so kind and open to you, but she was accessible to you. Mm-hmm. She was not some like person you had to like hopefully run into at a stage door, right? She was like right there. Yeah. She was hearing your music from your bedroom, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal.
1: I I don't know another artist like her. She is absolutely salt of the earth.
0: It's amazing, the best. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's I've heard this from a few people who've had things that just kind of happened right at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in New York. I mean, that was... Oh, gosh. We had just had Tallulah, who was four months old.
1: Oh, that's got to be so scary. And, oh,
0: it was like a tidal wave coming, crashing. Uh, we, we were in Manhattan, you know, riding subways and, oh. you know, just thinking like... Because at the time, it was scarier than we could understand. Because mm-hmm. it was, it you know, it felt like an apocalypse.
1: Yeah, movie, it did. you know, It did.
0: And so, you know, that was... That was so intense, you know, at mm-hmm. first, especially as, as an actor, and even, like, doing lives work and teaching kids, yeah. I basically my whole life stopped. Right. Um, and it sounds like yours did, too.
1: Yes. It did.
0: For, for a little bit. For a little bit. But then, there's this, f- you know, what it does is it sort of, like, it troubled the earth. Mm-hmm. And all the worms were like, what are we going to do? But then they <laughs> went back, like, oh, wait, no, we got to, like, this is actually a, potential opportunity here Mm -hmm. because all this stuff started happening online. People were really focused on that. It was everyone had a bedroom album. Yeah, I think they
1: did. I I think artists really did everything they possibly could to continue creating and sharing that creation with the world during the pandemic. Um, And I met so many incredible musicians just through seeing their videos on TikTok during the pandemic. And now they're like, now they're lifelong uh, collaborators of mine and, like, people that I know will never, ever be not in my life, you know?
0: So I guess I have to to ask how it came about, this Bridgerton thing in particular, because I knew you had done some other great songs. And, like, you had, like, millions of listens on Spotify, which is Mm -hmm. the old man version of me being, like, I was on Spotify and I (laughs) saw Abigail had some some listens on there. Mm -hmm. But I know that you, but then I realized that, like, you're probably, like, that's just a sliver of what you, the attention you've gotten for some of these songs, which is amazing. And um, Thank you. was it Heartbreak Hotel?
1: Yes. So that was kind of the second song, and I the second song to really be viral on TikTok. Um, it was a moment, and it had like a million likes, and people really wanted it to be out on streaming platforms. So, you know, I produced it out as quickly as I possibly could with a friend of mine, and, and we released it like a month later after it went viral and i think i i caught the attention quick enough that it went viral on spotify as well and it got put on some some playlists and i think it had like a million streams in a day and that was like whoa wow. that was like the start of it and it it blew my mind and it freaked me out because it also like charted on the itunes charts mm-hmm. And so that was my first real taste of like being a musician, you know, and like feeling like you're successful a little bit. Um, But then I had like interest from major labels who had heard it and had heard um, the EP that I had released, um, which had a song that Megan and I wrote on it together. Um, And so I had some interest uh, in the middle of the pandemic, but then I, I didn't hear back from them after like initial meetings. Because no one was taking in-person meetings, you know, so it was really just Zoom meetings of a bunch of A&Rs being like, you're great, we really like you, send us more. And I'd send them more and never hear back. Mm. So I got really discouraged again and a little uninspired because I was actually in a pretty functioning, happy relationship that I just, uh, there, was no, there was no heartbreak to write about anymore. <laughs> and that's like what I loved to write about. Right. And... I was really frustrated, and I had one of my best girlfriends over for a bachelorette night. and
0: To watch The Bachelorette? Yes,
1: or The Bachelor, whichever one it was. I'm a fan. Yes, I'm a fan, too. Thank yeah. you. Bachelor Nation. Yeah,
0: I'm there. <laughs> Tyler C. We love yes.
1: It. Oh, my gosh. Tyler C., stop. <laughs> yeah, he's my fave. Um, but I was just expressing how frustrated I was because this thing that I wanted so bad I had gotten so close to... And then just, you know, it all just, poof, went away. And I didn't really know what to do. And she had mentioned something about Ratatouille being on TikTok. Like somebody making a Ratatouille musical. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Show me what you're talking about. And she played me like this, this full Ratatouille musical that people on TikTok had created and sort of like strung together and it was a live performance with an orchestra with music that people had made and written and posted to TikTok before and that's how it all came together. And I was just, I was in, in awe of it and I was so confused as to how they put that together in such a short time period. I think they did it in like 30 days. But it was amazing and actually kind of gave me the experience that maybe it was it wasn't like it didn't replace the experience of being in a theater or going to a theater. But it did give me something that that filled that little like spot in my heart that theater.
0: You oh, know. I have to imagine anyone who's ever written a theater piece
1: mm-hmm. has
0: that flame in their heart, knowing yeah. that it will one day be hopefully produced or something. Right. Where people will be in a room learning this music and performing it but right. at the at the heart of it it's that feeling.
1: Mhm. And I and I just knew that if I were to do something like that that it would really reinspire me and reinvigorate me to write again. And she she encouraged me. She was like you should find source material to write about and then just like write a musical on TikTok. And I was like I can do that? I, mean, I guess I can. Like it's just it's the same thing I'm doing with my pop music except with a storyline. Right. So I kind of went searching for source material. I I had heard that they were doing another Pixar thing and people were writing songs for Up the Musical. Oh, nice! And I was like, maybe I'll try my hand at writing something for that, and couldn't come up with anything. Um, and then my sister recommended I watch Bridgerton. I binged it in 12 hours probably, just the whole entire <laughs> thing. Um, and I loved, the setting, I loved the drama, I mm-hmm. loved that it was a Shonda Rhimes project. Oh, I didn't know that, okay. mm-hmm. And I, I really thought that there was so many elements that a musical had, especially the the opening scene is like a, almost a montage of sorts, and I could just hear the music like in my head. And I started writing down little pieces of dialogue that inspired me or I thought sounded like song titles. Um, And in like this episode five or six, there was um, a character that said this incredible line that inspired the first song for Bridgerton musical, but he said, you have no idea what it's like to be in a room with someone you cannot live without and yet feel like you're oceans away from them. And he said it with such like confidence and it sounded like poetry. And I was like, "Oh, that's good, Ocean Away." Yeah. And then I started wa- I, I you know I watched the finale episode, and I decided to make that song about you know the two main characters, mm-hmm. Simon and Daphne. And I just sort of imagined what Daphne would be feeling and thinking in that moment if she were to sing. And then I posted that to TikTok after just like writing it on my piano for an hour. And the response wasn't immediate. Like it, I think it got a little bit of exposure, but it wasn't to my liking. And I I believed in this project, and I knew that it would be good, and I knew that I was gonna write more more songs for it. So when it didn't go viral at first, I deleted it and I reposted it at a better time of day the next day.
0: Wow. Mm hmm some trickery that I don't even yeah can't even conceive and I don't really tell anyone that I I,
1: I reposted <laughs> it I just say it went viral like right off the bat but it didn't and I think
0: you knew but you knew how this thing worked yeah. that's the difference mm-hmm. you knew how it worked
1: I, I I hoped that it would go viral if I were to post it at a better time of day because again I I stay up really late it was uh probably midnight when I posted it the first time so then I posted it the next day, and it got more traction, mm. and I was really excited because people were like, "Yes, yes! Ooh, it's new! It's the radical thing!" It was so
0: thing. hot, like that show. I mean, yeah. I, I Leanne has told me that I don't need to watch it because she just knows me and. You know, so I haven't seen it.
1: It's it's not it's it's a guilty pleasure show, if anything else. Right. Very great, and, Grey's I, and I'm sure I'd
0: love it. I'm sure <laughs> I, I loved Grey's. That was my wisdom teeth show. It's still going. <laughs> Aww, but I know. I, I was. That was back when they only had like five seasons. <laughs> um, but there's something about I can tell. There's something about this show that really gets people excited, yeah. and they were very excited at that time. So when you wrote the music, you were really catching a wave, and that's what it's. I feel like social media is like surfing in that way.
1: mm -hmm. It was lightning in a bottle.
0: Yeah, lightning in a bottle.
1: Yeah. Um, And I think it was an escape. It was the big reason that people just loved it was that it took place in a completely different time that was fabulous, full of incredible clothing and pop songs set to strings.
0: So we got cut off when I was gushing about your voice because I was talking about how you wrote this amazing music. Mm -hmm. that really tapped into something and you wrote it about a show that everyone including my wife and my sister-in-law and my mom and everybody is obsessed with Mm -hmm. but your voice had to be a huge part of why people listen to it because you really do have an amazing voice
1: thank you I mean I I I love to sing I sing all the time and I I think in melodies so (laughs) I I guess I just really really needed that escape of writing something that was not from my perspective. It also like took all of the pressure off of me when I sung it because I'm playing a character. It's like theater. Mm. I'm no longer nervous because I am playing a role, you know. Mm-hmm. When you when you sing your own pop music, it's like basically going, here's my heart, don't stomp on it, you know. Like here is my heart and soul. I'm sharing
0: don't my trauma, me. my
1: right. experience with you. If you don't like it, it's going to hurt my feelings because it's very Even though people like to say that it's not personal, art and music is very personal inherently. Absolutely. And so, you know, when you're a young teenager who just wants to be seen and heard and loved, and you put out music that not everyone in their mother listens to, it's like, oh, that sucks. That my my heart and soul is not that great. You know what I mean? And that's kind of the, the connection I made for a long time. But, you know, not anymore. And when I got to do this project, or when I started, you know, just writing... Every day I wrote something new. Um, I I felt immediately like I had an escape from all of the darkness that was the pandemic. Um, and all of the scary things that I kept hearing on social media, you know? Like, I just... I wanted to create a space where people could just chill, you know? And, like, have fun and stop thinking about all the scary stuff for a minute. So when I... When I wrote "Oceans Away" or "Ocean Away," I put on my TikTok live, and I was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna write a song from the perspective of this character from a TV show I loved, and kind of post it. So if you guys want to watch me, you know, write it. I'm gonna start writing it now. So I wrote it, and people were giving me suggestions in the comments, and I, sometimes I took them, sometimes I had an idea of where I wanted it to go, and and um, when I finished that song, you know, I I posted it. Of course it. It did go a little bit viral, it wasn't huge, but it was enough of a, it was enough for me to reach out to my writing partner, Emily, um, who I met through a mutual friend uh, on another project. And neither of us had ever written musical theater before we had met each other, but we really loved this concept for the other musical. And a year before uh, we wrote Bridgerton, um, we started writing that project and when we met and we wrote together for the first time, there was just something really 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 magical about what we created together. And I think immediately we both knew that we wanted to be like lifelong collaborators, which is really crazy to find when you're so young. It's amazing. <clears throat> it was it was really special and so we wrote like 9 or 10 songs for that project. Um and then, you know, she's also an incredible uh composer and scores constantly um and wants to be Alan Menken, wants to be like Alan Menken, and uh do it all and she can. And she's very good. She's so fabulous. And um so we were writing for pitch projects like for Disney and for uh Nickelodeon and for little kid shows and, and we were hearing no a lot. Uh, And then, you know, when I sort of departed to, you know, have that moment with my pop music, she was departing to do stuff of her own. Uh, And we were both just really frustrated uh, when it came to the point of writing the first song. And I hadn't heard from her in a bit. We hadn't really texted. And so I just sort of texted her out of the blue. And I was like, hey, I wrote this song tonight and I wanted to know what you thought of, like, maybe what if Bridgerton was a musical? I just asked her that question because I, I truly trust her opinion over everyone else. I think her opinion is kind of gospel to me and we really, really respect each other. So as musicians Mm -hmm. and I heard back from her immediately and she was like, yes, hold on. Can you send me this, this song? Can you send me this project of the song right now? And I was like, okay. And at that point she was in Mexico um, on vacation and I get, a message 45 minutes later of the song fully orchestrated, like the verse and chorus that I had just written. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like it was incredible. And it was exactly how I heard it in my head. And I just knew that it was gonna be special. And I posted it. And then the next day I wrote Burn For You, which was kind of the, the song that blew everything up and made it kind of interactive for a TikTok audience. Um, because it was a duet. And I don't know. I wrote that on live too, and people watched me write Burn for You.
0: And it's I amazing.
1: Uh, thank you. I, I'm really proud of that song. I think it's one of the best songs well, I've ever written.
0: You have such compelling melodies. And I imagine like when you meet someone like Emily, who can take your melodies and give them so much
1: support and life.
0: Yeah. <sighs> like I think of it as like you you draw the sketch, which is the piece, but mm-hmm. then she just colors at all in, She does. You know, oh
1: my gosh. She's so good at what she does too. I mean.
0: The fact that I have a two-year-old, as you know, mm-hmm. the fact that she feels that, uh, like she's like, she, she, she loves that part. Mm-hmm. And I teach kids music, you know, zero to five, really mm-hmm. young. And it's the melodies that, that stick with them that I'm always so interested in because yeah, it's.
1: They're tough critics. They kids are. Kids are such tough critics. They will tell you if they don't like a song.
0: When you leave, when I remember leaving something. I don't want to knock it, but it was a, a movie musical about Los Angeles.
1: Uh-huh. And I remember
0: leaving thinking, I don't remember a single song.
1: And I'm I'm not, I'm not saying
0: that it's I'm not saying it's not a great film, mm-hmm. but I just remember thinking, I love melodies. I'm like you. I mm-hmm. want to be humming that all the way home. Yep. And so when I don't have that experience, it's just not as much for me, you know, yeah, personally.
1: Definitely. And I think that that project too, the the project that shall not be named was also very <laughs> much about, like, it, it wasn't really focused on the music. I think the music right. was supposed to sort of support this story. story of dreamers, you know? Yes. So Which I, I did
0: love that part.
1: Yes, yes.
0: I also lived next to the Griffith Observatory, and then they made a bus route after the movie came out. All these tourists started coming by my apartment. <laughs> and so I'm a little, I have a little bit extra resentment towards it. Got but, it. But I appreciate what. All that to say, your melodies are they're earworms. Thank Toddlers you. love your melodies. So that says something.
1: Thank you. Yeah I mean I think that specific melody was the first thing that I had come up with. I just heard it in my head the that little melody. Mm-hmm. And then I went and sort of explored it on the piano and I was like that's cool. I've never done anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's keep that. I went to my computer and sort of kind of produced it out a bit added some strings just like string stabs and just started kind of creating an argument an argument in my head through music and what the argument was on screen um, and how it would sound you know it would be full of energy and it would be kind of suppressed but it would be very intense you know and so when I started just singing it I loved the melody that came out it wasn't something I really tried it was just sort of a almost improvisation Mm -hmm. and it stayed because people liked it and then I kind of figured out the other part, the duet and the melodies and that was all so fun, something I hadn't done in like a year since I was working with Emily and I immediately just got so reinvigorated with juice, inspiration. Mm -hmm to continue this project in whatever whatever direction it was headed next because I didn't know. I just knew I was going to write a song for every character if I could and uh, for the major plot points and just to give myself a purpose during the pandemics. I felt
0: purposeless before it. Right.
1: <laughs> you know, because like what can you do as a musician in that time? It's, Not much.
0: It's amazing to just everything that we've even talked about today. Knowing that you grew up in a musical home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You found a home in theater you pursued a career on social media writing music Mm -hmm. and then all of it came together at once yeah and you didn't betray yourself you are you you know Mm -hmm. like because I think sometimes as actors musicians anybody's putting themselves out there like you said because it's so vulnerable yeah we will try to sometimes we'll do something that we aren't in order to get
1: oh yeah affection absolutely
0: and it's very hard and admirable it's really what people want when you are yourself. And right. you just you're like, I am a musical theater loving pop hit writing TikTok <laughs> sensation, you know? <laughs> and then you get all this traction. Mm-hmm. And that you know, just to sort of like bring us more to the to modern day, yeah. you get people's like Darren Chris's attention. Mm-hmm. I bring up him specifically because he there's a Birmingham connection with Darren.
1: What is it? Tell so,
0: me. The short version is he's married to a girl from here.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh! No, I know this. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes, she so went I to was, Indian Springs. She I knew did. that. And she and my brother were very close. I love that. My brother was at their wedding down in New Orleans. Stop!
1: That's amazing.
0: We were at Oklahoma on Broadway and in the audience with my friend Caroline, mm-hmm. and I saw I saw Mia, mm-hmm. and then I saw Darren. You know, and and I think you know naturally he's famous, and so he's like just leave me alone yeah. <laughs> but because I, I was like waving at them and I'll, he has no idea who I am oh. but Mia did of course because mm-hmm. I'm her one of her dearest friends little brothers yeah <laughs> and so you know it was great and they invite they gave us tickets to the to their festival that you got to perform at
1: no way were you there I wasn't there? at that year okay
0: that was this was, Leanne was very pregnant got it she had a big old belly and we were we lived right in Upper West Side mm-hmm. so we just kind of walked over
1: that's so. And weird. Uh, I, yeah. What's the name of the festival? Elsie
0: Fest. <laughs> they invited us to Elsie Fest, and <laughs> it was amazing. And no, it really was. I yeah. mean, because because and it's it's like a, for me as a, I don't listen to much musical theater. I'm mm-hmm. not. My finger is off the pulse.
1: Yeah. To I be mean, honest. Yeah. Sometimes it, I go through waves. You know. Yeah. I have my favorite like Broadway cast recordings that I listen to, but I I don't like keep up with it as well as I should. Right. Honestly.
0: Well, we say as well as we should. I think I think that's what. Like, I was just always interested in music, you know? Like, I just was kind of, that was, and I liked, I love theater, and, like, when I'm about to do something, Mm -hmm. I get really into it. Like, next to normal. Oh, yeah. I was blown away, but I had never listened to it before we did it. (sighs) Yeah. When I
1: first listened to it, I was like, this
0: is crazy. It's so good.
1: It's some of the best music on earth is musical theater music that has and tells a story.
0: 1,000%. It is, there's something, nothing truly like it, and Mm -hmm. coming from Music background, playing bands, touring, festivals, seeing like a musical theater festival, where and then seeing you all, and those videos that I saw. It's mm-hmm. like you must have felt like you were home, like nowhere else <laughs> at Elsie Fest. Maybe I don't know. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, I was. It was the first time that we had performed, and the first time that I had performed since that performance in Los Angeles where no one came.
0: The literal opposite.
1: Like that. That was kind of. I guess the last real experience of performing things that I had written in my head. I guess I had done a few Red Mountain shows that people came to and supported me, and it was like people that I loved and had known me for years and years and years. But like with fans, like I've never had that before. So I was very nervous. Um, I wanted to give the best show, but also I, I was well aware that we were performing, I was performing music that had multiple characters and I would be switching back and forth and it might be weird. Like I didn't know how it was going to translate on stage. Um, and thank goodness people liked it and people understood and got that. Yeah, this was something we created on our own and something that we really didn't have the permission to put a bunch of people into the mix with. Like they kind of just gave us permission. Netflix gave us permission to release the concept album, um, just us, you know, that we created uh in our bedrooms. So then when we reached out just off the cuff to a few of our favorite performers who had covered the music online, we reached out to Joshua Henry and you know, of course Darren had reached out to us to perform, so we asked him to sing a song with us and he said yes. And then I just reached out to Betsy Wolf cuz she had commented on my Instagram and I remember her coming to Red Mountain Theater Company to do Last 5 Years. She did like an intimate oh, performance of Last 5 Years I didn't at the know cabaret. That. Cool. Uh, yeah, and I was in the front row and I was just in awe of her. I was like mm. she has such an incredible instrument and gift. And I DM'd her back and I told her that and she um, and then I asked her, you know, if she wanted to sing a song with us at Elsie Fest if she was even in New York. And she said yes immediately and and that was crazy because I've looked up to her since that moment I saw her as a teenager. And I heard her sing our song Balancing the Scales which is about motherhood and you know mm-hmm. she, she has a daughter now and I just, I couldn't hold back the tears because hearing someone else sing that song in particular, I, I'd never heard it before. Mm-hmm. And having her sing it was just mind blowing and so emotional and And she told me that you know, doing that show here, reinvigorated her love for performing and for performing in an intimate place, with people right up up close and personal to you, you know. And um, I don't know, having that connection was just wonderful. And the show turned out great. And Joshua Henry was amazing. He also performed with us, Zach Resnick. It's crazy. Like, it just, it doesn't feel real, so... It's unbelievable. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, now you get a little taste of what it's like to write something and have someone else sing it. Yes. Because here you go, you're singing other people's songs, then you're Mm -hmm. singing your own songs, and now you're writing songs and other people are singing it, but you're still singing it, too, which is, as you should, you sound amazing. (laughs) But, um, are you going to keep writing musicals?
1: I am going to keep writing musicals, um... Emily and I since we wrote Bridgerton have sort of been given our our foot in the door and now we have really amazing representation and um agents and managers and people that are really on top of things and and really believe in us and so we've been given some some pretty crazy opportunities that I'm not allowed to talk about of course. <laughs> but it kind of spans across all mediums. I mean, we have projects for TV and film, and we also have a project for the stage in the works that I wish I could give you more info on. But when, as soon as I know when I can talk about it, um, you will know. That's
0: incredible.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. It's, That's amazing. very, very exciting stuff and completely different trajectory than I ever imagined, you know, because it never happens the way you want it to. But I'm really grateful it happened this way. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it all came full circle. All of my training, everything that I had been working towards, it all makes sense that it happened this way.
0: Right. You know? It really does. Considering where you come from.
1: Yeah. And my love been, for theater.
0: And your love. I mean, it's, it's clear.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's the kind of thing that is obvious when you listen to it. And it it also, I hope, is a gateway for people to appreciate what that craft really is.
1: Yeah, I think doing all of those live streams where Emily and I were just real-time writing a a full story, it opened up the door that it's not impossible. It's kind of a gate-kept art form, for sure, and you don't really hear it until it hits Broadway, and then even then, you only hear it if you can pay $200 for a ticket. So after... Bridgerton kind of blew up and we were doing all of these live streams where thousands of people were watching, um, I would get messages from girls as young as 16 that were like, I had no idea I could, I could be a composer, but this is all I've ever wanted to do with my life. And now I'm pursuing it because you've shown me it's possible. And that like gets me emotional to this day because I mean, I didn't really have that shown to me like I, I just had to sort of find my way and just work really hard and the fact that now I can show little girls that even if even if you want to make music from your bedroom you can
0: mm.
1: you know and and so and that's a really special thing and something I cherish about this project a lot
0: I think what you said about theater as a gate kept which I love that term I don't mean gatekeeper but I hadn't heard gate kept I mm-hmm. like that <laughs> give it that sort of past tense yep you know, <laughs> oomph.
1: Because not anymore. Right, exactly,
0: because not anymore. And I mm-hmm. think it reminds me of a story, when I was at Syracuse, I had friends who were in film, and they 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 had a teacher who told them a story of, I think it was Mario Puzo, whoever wrote The Godfather, the mm. script, the yeah. screenplay. They were, uh, you know, he wrote it, and he he didn't have any idea what he was doing. He wrote it, and he decided he wanted to go see uh, what, Teachers were talking about like well how what how to write a screenplay and and mm-hmm. at, one, at one point the professor said you know, like the greatest screenplay ever written was the Godfather right you know mm-hmm. the the point I told the story horribly but the point is <laughs> basically like he had no idea what he was doing he wrote a screenplay and now people teach his screenplay as if it's the ideal screenplay and that's so insane you, we think we have a way of doing things we mm-hmm. think. It is such a, a pipeline you're either on in that pipeline or you're not yeah. I remember thinking as a theater artist here in Alabama that I had to get to Broadway otherwise anything any, anything any, less anything less and I'm just a failure that I mean that,
1: it's not, true it's, but not it's, true it's how you think as a kid it's
0: how you think as a kid and it wasn't that wasn't necessarily what was told to us but we also you know to say like I am a I'm an actor in Cleveland. Like that, just there's no one ever said that. Right, like that was not an option. So, it, to us, we just think, okay, well, I have to go get famous. Broadway
1: or bust. Yeah, Broadway or
0: bust. But I think the beautiful thing about our globalization of our art art world and mm-hmm. and of the gates falling down and all these different places in mm-hmm. different ways, it gives us a sense that anywhere
1: yeah.
0: is a beautiful place to make art and to be who you are. Absolutely. And you just never know what that might bring.
1: No, never know, so why not just try it, you know? Just share, share whatever you want, however much you want to share, but if it gives you joy to share music with others, you should do it, and you should just try it and not be afraid to do it. Because that's how I approached Bridgerton and it has given me a career, a new career path. So yeah, it's amazing. Thanks.
0: <laughs> well, I think uh, we've learned so much. We've learned and so much. I'm so grateful to see you. I know and, it's
1: so good to see you,
0: and just to hear about your life since it's been so long, and um, obviously so happy for you, and
1: thank you. I'm proud happy for of you. you, and
0: yeah, I mean we're, we're living
1: we're living lives we're that living we, beautiful lives. Yeah, that we want to be living, and it's fabulous. It really is. Good for us. Good for us.
0: <laughs> All right, there's I, I've. Ne- This is not a podcast that exists, so I'm just going to say good night and good luck.
1: Thank you and good night.
0: Good night.